Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today I am joined by lifelong friend and brother from another mother, the mother who was formerly next door to me, uh, <laughs> Brad Halsey. Brad, how are you doing today, buds? I'm, I'm great. I've never had such a lovely intro before. I, I, I'm glad that I could create a lovely intro for you, my good man. Uh, dear listener, uh, you might not know, although some of you might, um, Brad and I go way back, like way, way back, like... Uh, to the begin, essentially to his beginning, um, <laughs> we were very little. My brother and I. Dave was on a couple weeks ago uh, talking about Star Trek. Brad was our next door neighbor with three awesome older sisters, and we were there when Brad came home from the hospital. We came became fast friends. We we chilled. We went on camping trips. We argued about Star Trek and Star Wars. Uh, Brad and I have a similar education, but we're going to get into that later. But uh, we went on a couple different paths, which is was pretty awesome. We've stayed in touch, which is great. Uh, lifelong friendships are work, but but good work. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Brad, my good man, uh, we're gonna kick this off. Can you share a bit about your testimony, good sir? Yeah, sure. So I kind of have I don't know. Sometimes I say cliche or just kind of boring background, like. Grew up in a Christian family, grew up going to youth group, grew up going to your youth group, good old Calvary. Um, and so it wasn't really until I was about a, a 15 that that my faith kind of became my own. Um, so I grew up uh, going to camp, with growing up in the Salvation Army. We were up at camp all the time and stuff. And then when I got to work at camp, um, I was certainly not the perfect staff. But uh, my first summer at camp, I just kind of had one of those uh, one of my first spiritual uh, experiences, and that was um, we were just having a worship time, and song came on, and I just had one of those like deep kind of like stir your soul sort of feelings. I didn't know what it was at the time, but um, having that, and that was kind of the when people ask about your testimony. For me, that's kind of the time when I say that's when things started to shift for me, and I kind of gave myself to Christ of my own beyond just growing up in Sunday school and saying, "Yeah, I love Jesus," and not really knowing what that means. Um, so that was a big, big turning point for me. And um, I was, like I said, I was 15 at the time. And then over the next few years, I still did a lot of stupid things as a teenage guy. And God was not always at the center. Um, and then into my adult life, again, you know, often did stupid things. But God was certainly still a piece of my life, but wasn't really my whole life. Um, and then a few years ago at the church I was attending in Toronto, uh, I... Um, started attending a men's Bible study. Um, it was like four of us, super chill, very basic stuff. Um, but it again, stirred something in me. And then, um, that, um, ended up resulting in a few different habits changing in myself. Um, but ultimately ended with me getting baptized as someone growing up in the Salvation Army. That wasn't a normal thing. Salvation Army doesn't practice that. Um, but it was something that God had stirred in my heart. And again, that was another kind of pivotal shifting my views, shifting my attitude and putting God at the center of my life. And so that those have kind of been the two pivotal things. And throughout that, working with kids, working with youth, um, through camp, through agencies, through ministries, um, God's just kind of, you know, pulled on me time and time again to come back to him uh, in my faith, in my relationship with him and so that's kind of brought me to where I am and part of what's brought me and my wife out to um, Edmonton where we are now um, so that that's kind of a synopsis of of who I am and I guess my testimony and my walk with God thank you for sharing that my good man and a couple things you said uh prompted a couple thoughts one is uh that emphasis on community and how God works through community to like to speak to us 
And then the other one is kind of a side question. Uh, you talked about at camp how you had a real spiritual fire ignited in you. Uh, is that the genesis for your camp name that you went by for a number of years? No, no. I had Pyro. Pyro was my camp name before that. That was that was just my love affair with campfires. So our first week at camp, uh, we had like a campfire the first night. And then every night after that, I kept asking him, like, are we going to have another campfire? Can I, can we have a campfire? And they're like, yeah, if you want to do it. I was like, yeah. So it kind of stuck with just my like fascination with fire. I just love campfires. Um, and so that just kind of stuck for, for several years being pyro. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, dude. As soon as you said, I was like, ah, oh, pyro, I forgot all about that. It was a nice <laughs> reminder. Um, you've worked in a number of, uh, ministries over the years. What can you share with us about them? Yeah, I've, I've worked in a lot of them. Thanks for the reminder. Um, I think in part, <laughs> it's funny when I think back on it because in part, I know, especially when in my earlier twenties, um, a lot of the time, all the different places I worked, I think a lot of it came out of boredom and I'm like, I'm done with this. I want to do something different. Um, but also at the same time, it came with a lot of experience cause you get to learn, um, how to do essentially a lot of the time, the same thing from a lot of different points of view, um, whether that's different, um, church backgrounds or denominations or just different agencies with a different mandate within that, um, uh, within working with youth or working with kids or whatever, which it's, it's always been for me, but each one has kind of had its own mandate. So, um, it's been, it's definitely been an experience. Um, camp has probably been the biggest, the biggest fundamental piece that I've learned from just because I was there for so long and I was there for my teen summers and a number of my twenties, um, which is, you know, a big, time for when you develop as a person and you try to find your identity. Um, and that was the time that God really instilled in me that working with kids, working with youth was where he wanted me to be. Um, I had thought of being a photographer or being this or being that. Um, but it was especially because of camp that reminded me kids and youth is where, where I'm meant to be. Um, and so different agencies taught me different pieces. Like I said, camp was a big piece. Um, another one with that, um, and it, it's not so much a ministry as it was just an agency, but through that I even got to talk about God, but um, Boys and Girls Club, um, there was a team building company I got to work with for years that was a for-profit, but we worked in a lot of Christian schools and other places, and especially because if anyone who knows me, I have a lot of tattoos on my arm, uh, arms, sorry, and some of them are Bible verses, and so I'd be running an activity and a kid would ask me, what's that say? And you suddenly get to have these conversations that, Otherwise, you know, if I started it or prompted it, I could get in trouble. But I'm like, you know, they asked, they were curious. Um, and so I had a lot of opportunities through that to share my faith and to share the love that God's given me through all these different places and all these different organizations. Some of them, you know, I'm sad to say only for a few months because, again, of my own inconsistencies as at a younger age and some of them for, you know, longer stints like camp with, you know, over a decade of summers and winters. Um, of running programming. So it's it's been quite the experience, but I think I, I wouldn't appreciate um, what I have now without all those little kind of snippets of the different places and the different people that I've gotten to work with. Thank you for sharing that, dude. And uh, I can definitely agree with some of that. You pick up different things from, I feel like, almost any job. Uh, and with ministry ones, learning from people, uh, learning by doing, from observing, especially from different perspectives is always interesting and it can help shape and inform your own approach because you can see what works what doesn't 
or even addressing things from a different perspective than your own. It's like I wouldn't even think of I wouldn't even think of talking to someone about that or like that or anything. So, thank you. And uh, I hinted at it earlier. Uh, we share an educational background as well. We both went to school for social service work. Uh, myself, I went to George Brown. You went to Centennial. Um, and then we also briefly were involved with uh, Touchstone at the same time, which was pretty cool. Um, I, the day you texted me about it, I was like, what? That's awesome. And then that, that came and went pretty quick, but still. Um, yeah, so the other thing you've worked in, as well as ministries, you've worked in a number of social work or what I'd also call like social ministry uh, settings as well. Yeah. So what, what has that been like for you? Yeah. So I kind of touched on that just before. And, um, some of the places like I've worked in some churches, some parachurch organizations. Um, but then some of the agencies weren't always Christian. Like the last one I worked with in Toronto was young street mission, which is a social agency, but is also a Christian organization and has a statement of faith and all these pieces. Um, and that, it, that certainly be an interesting, especially on the Christian side, um, it can be so hard to, you know, find that balance of uh, showing your faith, but then also the social mandate of help someone find a job, help someone find a home. Um, and I find some people um, kind of pull in both directions with that because some people are like, there's there, there's very much a big movement for some people in the church of this idea of we just need to love on people um, and not do that social aspect versus other people are being like, no one is going to listen to you and want to hear about God if they're sitting there starving, like there's some ba basic essential things that people need first that I believe people need first before they're willing to, to have those conversations. Um, and I think that's also even biblical, just that idea of breaking bread with someone and, and then opening up to that. And sometimes it's not even straight up saying, you know, God loves you. It's just showing that love, showing that care. And sometimes that'll come out. I remember one of the biggest things for me when I met my wife is asking her, you know, why were you so happy? Why were you so chipper? Because she just had this light about her. And she said, Jesus. And that's one of the most exciting things when, when someone asks that because you've done something different or you've done something uh, countercultural um, and people see that and they ask why, then you get to show and share that love. So it's really cool working in agencies where you can try and find those balances. Uh, but then, like you said, I was also at Touchstone um, and some other places. And for those who don't know, Touchstone is a youth shelter that is now Kennedy House in Toronto. Um, and that can be be tough. It's just shelters in general. Very tough, very tough gig as well as working at a group home. Because a lot of the time they just they do not want to be there. They don't want to do anything else other than somewhere to sleep, and then they're off doing their thing. So it can be very, um, very deterring to want to be in the field working in places like that. But it can also be encouraging when you see that that light. You see someone who suddenly clicks and gets it, or wakes up one morning like I'm done with this lifestyle. I want to change. How how show me how? And you get to help them along that way. Um, can be really cool. And Touchstone was cool. I got lucky on my first day there for my placement being shown a tour and I'm, I met Jane who was running this pilot program and I introduced myself, met her, talked with her for two minutes and then left. And then the next day, or I think it was later that day, 
um, Anthony, the director guy, was like, so Jane wants you to be her placement student while you're here, so you can go hang out with her. And I was like, okay. So apparently she saw something in me. And with that, I got to do um, one-on-one support, mentoring, care um, for youth who were coming out of the shelter. So those who were already committed to trying to change and not just sit in that same piece. And that was awesome. That, for me, was very validating and knowing I like that one-on-one. I like that mentorship piece because I love it. I got to go with them to appointments. We got to meet up and have a coffee at Tim Hortons and talk about what's going on in their life. And so just being able to have that kind of natural relationship um, and then organically things come up about, you know, what are you doing? What are you changing? What are you trying to develop and grow in yourself? Um, is so cool for me versus the sitting in an agency, going through a course, going through whatever, but just for them to learn through those relationships and to help them along that ways, that support is huge. And I know I benefit from it, having a mentor, having a youth pastor growing up. Um, and I see the benefit that the youth I work with now can get from it. And those who I've worked with in the past, when you have that person who genuinely cares and asks, um, it's awesome. And I, I love that I got to do that in some agencies and the fact that there are agencies still doing that and seeing the the benefit of it is is great. I love it because there's just there's just something about relationships. I think all it all comes back to relationships, um, and that's even just again biblical. I think that's what we're called to be. It's it's not about religion and this structure, but it's about the relationships that we have um, both with God and with people here on earth and what comes of it. Thank you for sharing that, dude. And uh, that was just a blast from the past, the men- mentioning of Jane. <laughs> and that Anthony was spot on. Cause he, uh, I've met with, I met with the guy a number of times, and he was, he was, he was awesome. I miss Anthony. Yeah. Anthony, on the off chance you're listening, shout out. You were great. <laughs> you were great, man. Um, and, yeah, I can definitely just picture him being like, hey, so uh, go. You, Jane wants you to be uh, – student so go go chill with her <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was very surprising when it happened so it's always stuck with me because i i literally talked to her for 30 seconds and in that 30 seconds she decided oh i want i want to i want this guy to be my my student that place was wonderful with students just because when i like when i went there and i interviewed for my placement like it was placement was supposed to start the monday i went in the wednesday and then I'm doing the interview. I thought it was going terribly. Uh, I'm used to interviews like when people are like, okay, it starts at 10. If I show up at 9.45, I'm probably going to be waiting till about 10, 10, 10, 15. I show up at 9.45 and they're like, oh, Anthony, I'll see you now. So that didn't th- that threw me off. I was still chewing gum partway through the interview. And, and uh, Anthony's like, just a little tip. It's probably not good to be chewing gum in an interview. <laughs> And then I'm like, I got like, I it threw me off my game. And then I was, I, I was like, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry, man. I'm sorry. And he's like, second tip, probably not a good idea to call the, the person who's interviewing you, man. So we, we talked. I ended up getting the placement, but I thought I wouldn't get it. He's like, when, when do you need to start? I was like, next Monday. He's like, that's very last minute. I'm like, I know it's, it's completely on me. Like I just, I let it slide and. Uh, it's totally my mistake. And he's like, when do you need to know? I was like, preferably later today. Uh, when he left to photocopy my stuff, I was like, I should go. <laughs> I debated just running <laughs> just because of how bad it was going. But I got the I, I got the, the placement. And then later, when I interviewed for my job there, the interview was just two minutes. The next 28 was, a, was us laughing about that first interview. <laughs> uh, 
you, you obviously you did something unique so you stuck out to him he saw something <laughs> i i apologize for saying man um so that was a nice snippet about stuff you've done what are you doing now my good man yeah and so i i, I think i mentioned little bits here and there but so i grew up in toronto my wife and i now moved to edmonton for this new job i'm doing which is is kind of crazy kind of cool at the same time um and so the long and short of it is i'm the youth coordinator at a agency called Kids on Track. And so we're a parachurch organization. So a Christian agency that's a not-for-profit. We have a statement of faith and all that. And um, I'm, I'm doing a lot of really cool things. So I get to oversee basically everything youth related. So it's basically everything for kids who are grade six and up. Um, and our sort of two main programs we do is our shift program and our light program. Our shift program is your stereotypical kind of youth drop-in, youth group, whatever um, we do on Fridays during the school year. And then in the summer, um, I get to run some day camps. I also get to run some overnight camps. I took uh, a group of about 30 kids uh, to Jasper, Alberta in the mountains. Um, we went biking. We went hiking. We had campfires. Um, and it was a great time. Um, we, even, we went to some hot springs. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, so that, that's a big piece of it that's a lot of fun, and I get to use a lot of those pieces from working at camp and all that. That's pretty awesome. Um, and then the other uh, part of our program that I oversee is the LIGHT program, which is our Leaders in Training Experience. Um, and so that's a leadership development program that we run year-round, um, and that's the one that I, I, I've tried to develop a lot since I've been here. It's been around since, like, the early 2000s, but it's, um, at least from everything I've seen, it's kind of stagnated um, and hasn't really grown in its intentionality um, and so a big piece I've been doing is trying to to make it more intentional with what we're doing how we're teaching the kids both with spiritual development and but also even just teaching them how to be leaders um, and they get to help out run a lot of our programs we do for the community that are low income um, community primarily so all our programs are either free or dirt dirt cheap um, and so it's it's a great opportunity for these youth to just learn how to be people. Some of them are going to go on to be leaders and be great leaders. Some of them are just going to learn how to be functional adults, uh, teaching them how to communicate, how to be responsible, how to be on time, uh, how to not take on too many things. Um, and that's been a big piece that I've loved because, again, I get to do the mentoring piece. Like yesterday I met for a – oh, I had a smoothie, but we went to the coffee shop. Um, and I just, you know, talked with the youth, talked through some of the crap he's going through in his life. And not that I have all the answers or solved anything for him, but just got to let him know that I'm there and I'm supporting him and I, I care. Um, getting to do that piece is a big piece of I've been getting to do with the lights and uh, our youth as I'm trying to build these relationships that I've, you know, already started to establish over the last nine months. And I'm hoping to grow more and more because it, it's challenging, especially with with youth and kids and especially if they've had a lot of issues in their home to have them to trust you and to know that you're not going to just dip um, is huge. And so I've, I've had to really work and cultivate that. And some of them are definitely confide in me and already at that point other ones it's it's been a lot more work but my hope is to get to a point that I, they know you know I'm, I'm not going anywhere I, I'm, I'm here because I care I do this job because I care yeah I get paid but certainly nowhere worth the amount of time and effort and stress that I'm you know putting into this like sometimes I stay up late at night worrying about some of them because I know what's going on like I, I genuinely care um, and it's hard to to show that because you can't just say no I care I care now tell me all your issues. Like that, that's not anything to anyone. You have to show it through action. And so that, that's been really hard to try and to show that the reason I'm being hard on you is because I care about you and I, I see the potential in you. 
Um, but getting to so getting to create and develop those programs has been huge. I also get to do outreach to some schools and other agencies trying to develop a program and see how we can help uh, in the community because we're very much about building up those leaders. And I'm not trying to, you know, steal the kids from other churches, but I want to help grow their future leaders so that they can go back to that church and be um a sustainable part of that church because so much of the time especially with the new generation it's the church hopping and the inconsistency and uncommitting as i think back to what i did in my earlier 20s um, and so just trying to instill that in them to commit to something uh, whether that's just our light program or it's beyond that is is really a big piece that i love that i get to do with this um, and just cultivate that through everything we're doing whether that's just the conversations i have with them or the program we're doing or when i see them doing something with kids in our program and i encourage them on how great that was just building them up to be the future leaders that i know they can be in whatever capacity that looks like that's awesome dude and uh Sounds like a great program, and you're a great guy to run it. Like knowing you, knowing you, I'm as you're as you're talking about this job. I was like, dang, this is like the perfect job for you. That's what Kate Kate keeps trying to remind me. My wife, she keeps trying to remind me this is my perfect my perfect job. It doesn't always feel like that, and I think maybe that's the pessimist in me. But it's it's definitely pretty dang close to the 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 most perfect job I've ever had. It's definitely the best job I've ever had. Well, even if it's even if it's a perfect job, it uh, it doesn't come. That doesn't mean it doesn't come with its stresses. And I love the fact that you said like uh, we did, uh, you don't get paid enough. We you get paid, but in a not enough, and not in the sense of like I'm ungrateful for what I get paid. But you're working with people, and <laughs> you you take on you're working with people some of them are going through some of the worst time of their lives some of them are in that growing with the growing pains and you're putting your your heart in into them but also being there for them to shoulder them and shoulder what they're going through and that that stuff is heavy i don't know why i went with that voice but <laughs> that, that's no, some you're... <laughs> no you're absolutely man it is heavy and that's like i said i've and i think that's part of what helps me realize that I'm committed and I'm invested in this job. When I'm up at 1 a.m. thinking about that youth that I know he's got an issue with me because I made a call that he didn't like, and that that hurts my soul. Like that, that tells me that I care about him enough, and it's not about me worrying what he thinks, but I care about him enough in the relationship that I want to do what I can to fix that. Um, I think, yeah. So that, that for me is the greatest reminder that I, I'm committed to this job and I like what I'm doing and I care about these guys. Yeah. Uh, you actually answered my next question in this question, but that answer is also a perfect segue to the following question <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> uh, if, if you guys could see me, you'd see my hands going through this, these motions, like showing a trail where I'm hopping from one spot down to another spot up. Uh, so we kind of touched on this burnout is a reality of, of people fields. Uh, it's the, one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever heard, uh, actually came from touch. And I think it was Anthony where school was like, burnout is burnout is something you might face. And Anthony was like, it's not a might, it's a will. It's, a will, it, exactly. it's, it's an inevitability. Uh, so the thing is like recognizing that it will happen. But yeah. it's something that you can proactively fight against to to stop because it can it can come on quick. Uh, oh, yeah. I've probably bit I've 
in people fields, I've probably hit burnout twice, but been on the verge of it more so uh, a, a couple of times just because I either wasn't uh, taking care of myself in the field the way I should, or there was so much else going on that I wasn't able to distance it. So it was just everything right. contributing to it. Yeah. So you've been in a people, the people field <laughs> for a long time, sir. Uh, yeah. What are recommendations that you would make uh, to fight against it? How have you fought against it? Yeah, so for the record, I definitely have experienced it um, at a fairly young age uh, at camp. And that's that was some some hard knowledge I had to learn and was able to then in future years when I finally figured out how to be a supervisor, was able to instill to cabin leaders and stuff how to avoid it. But um, one of the biggest pieces, and not that that's been an issue for me, but I know is the issue for a lot of people who want to help and want to take care. One of the best pieces of advice I've always given people um, is the ability to say no. Because so many people who go into the social field or into ministry or whatever, they're there because they want to serve, which is great. But you can't serve from an empty cup. Like that is just such the biggest piece that I can instill in people. Just because you said no to that person does not mean you're not serving. It means you're real. You're seeing the bigger picture of if I do this now and I burn out, then I can't help anyone. That yeah, maybe you'll help that one person, but the next hundred people you can't help because you're home physically sick because you've just done one too many things. Um, and especially in ministry, when you often take on multiple roles, it can be so easy um, to say yes to this project and yes to this thing. And yeah, I can take care of that. And it may be right in your skill set. But the biggest thing is saying no um, and accepting that you may not have to say no, but that you're, you can't help everyone. You can't do everything. You are limited. We believe in a limitless God, but you are a very limited being. Um, and so accepting that. And I know I find some people are like, oh, if you, you know, if your faith is strong enough or you're depending on God for strength, you can do everything. But I think at the same time, God has an intentionally has intentionally set limits for us um, in part to help ground us and keep us reminded that we are we are broken and we are limited beings. Um, and so through that, it's just you need to remind yourself sometimes to say no and just take a day or just not take on that one more thing and um, accept that you're not going to be able to help everyone. Those are those are the two biggest pieces for me and finding outlets. That's the big piece, whatever it is for for my wife. It's exercise. I do the exercise so I'm a little less fat. She does it for mental health and so she can eat chocolate. But the biggest piece is. For her, it's a mental health thing. And I can see the difference. When she goes a week without working out, she's a completely different person. For me, it's it can be music. It can be video games. Um, it can just be quiet time by myself um, and prayer. Those are the big things for me. For other people, it can be reading. It can be going to the mountains. It can be being canoeing or boating. But you need to find that thing or you'll you'll burn out every time like you you have to find those outlets and you have to find those joys beyond your work your work cannot be your complete joy or you're going to be miserable definitely agree with uh with all of those things uh saying no is is very important and then also recognize like you said uh recognizing that saying no doesn't mean you don't you don't care um i i was saying to another youth recently 
for me, the times where I know, like, if I wasn't aware before, the times where I know that I'm on the verge of burning out is when my concern about going into work is more about the money than about the youth. Where right. it's natural, it's of course natural to worry about money, but the youth need someone there who's not just there for the money, not just concerned about getting paid for their shift, but yeah. who are there to make a make a difference with them, help them grow. And that applies for adults, that applies for any group that, that we work with. Um, yeah. No, those were really, really good tips. Um, to switch gears a little bit, what do you feel is a difficulty faced by the church today? No, that's that's a good one, and I, I certainly have thoughts. Not all of them need to be shared, but um, I think especially in my experience right now, a couple of the things, because being a parachurch organization, part of what I'm trying to do um, is reach out to other churches and say, hey, how can we partner? How can we support? And we've got a couple um, who are very on board with us. One especially is the best experience I've ever had of what it is for a church to partner with an agency. But I find most, when I reach out, um, are unwilling. Um, and I think part of that is a mix of things. But I think one of the pieces is the siloing effect we have, or churches have, especially of different denominations of the we don't want to play with them, we don't want to participate with them, or we don't want to lose our numbers to them. Um, so when I email a youth pastor and say, hey, how can we connect? How can we share stuff with your your church? I, I find a lot of them are probably first thought is, A, I don't know this person, and B, of the, and it may be internally, but the, I don't want to lose my youth to their programming, um, which is really disappointing because we're, it's one body, man. We are all part of the same body of Christ, and I'm ultimately just trying to see how can I support you in what you're doing. So part of me is thinking I need to start just showing up at some of these churches and being like, hey, who can I talk to? Um, but f so that's a big thing that's apparent for me as I try to reach out to some of these churches from our um, organization. Um, but I think the other piece and some of my youth, one especially is really struggling with this, um, is the idea of this um, inter or this focus inwards of the church itself and who's inside. Um, and I find a lot of the time we miss the idea of that the church is not made for those inside is very much made for those outside of it um i'm trying to remember what the quote is but there's a really cool quote i heard one time and it's basically it, i think it's the um the church is the only it's the only um institution in the world that is built for the people outside of it um and just that idea of it's you know, we're meant to equip those in here to then go out and spread the word and spread the good news and connect with those around them and there's just so many times with the church we're just not um, plugging into the communities around us. We're not, you know, whatever, whether it's going to door, door to door or having a community picnic where everyone from the community is invited or just opening the doors figuratively or literally, um, I find is missed with a lot of churches, especially ones that are older and are established. They're just established in their ways and they don't think to how can we connect with other agencies around us, with other churches around us. And I, I see some doing it, like our church in Toronto was really good at doing it with some other churches of other um, uh, denominations. Um, and the church I attend right now is really good about it, mostly because they have to, because it's a planted church and it's planted in a community hall. So the only reason we would have people at the church is if we reached out to those in the community. Um, and I think there is a shift for some churches seeing that and starting to try and be more community-based. Um, but it's there's still a long way to go, and I think a lot of churches 
are just so focused on what they have. And when you have people who are traveling from hours away to go to this church, but then people around the corner don't even know anything about this church, I think there's something wrong there. Um, I think community is the focal point of scripture. And, you know, when you read through Luke and the original church and how it was starting, I'm not saying we need to verbatim do everything there, but I think there's an intention and there's a reason why there was such a focal uh, piece about that. Or even looking at Jesus, he did not go very far. Like he could have done a lot of things in his life and he did not move very far. He stayed in a very small space and did his ministry. Um, and so I think that that is a reminder for us. Absolutely, there's a call to, to, you know, missions and farther out. But I think we also need to start with just our community and just, you know, think of like a five-kilometer radius, a two-kilometer radius from your church and who in that area doesn't even know that that building exists or that there's options there for them. Um, so that that's a big piece for me. That, uh, that, hit home, that hits home with me a fair bit, and I, uh, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, one of the questions I, I frequently ask, just because I'm, I'm prone to asking the same questions, but the idea behind that is not to be lazy, but because with a number of these questions, you'll get, if, if not a different answer, you'll get a very different perspective, and it's fun to understand that. But one of the questions I frequently ask pastors is, how is your church involved in the community? Uh, which, thankfully, any number of churches and people that I've interviewed, that that's a deliberate focus on their part. Calvary got a very deliberate focus to be involved in the community over the years. And then as some of the uh, outreach ministries had to close, they it wasn't like, okay, we're not doing anything. It's like, okay, let's rejig the ones that we can keep going and figure out how we can get more people in so we can serve the community better as well so it's yeah. not just like like all right this one's closed peace out uh yeah. yeah and and it's interesting that you mentioned the uh the inward focus like at so many it's it's a catch-22 because it's so many times you it's like don't be a part of the world where you're you're apart like like jesus apart but that doesn't mean you're isolated from the world and it's just this Christian bubble and everything out there bad, everything in here good. Don't do anything out there, it bad. Um, yeah. And the, the numbers thing is very interesting. Just where you want to see the kingdom grow, but you also don't want... <laughs> you don't want your ministry to, to collapse almost yeah. because no one's showing up. So I get it, but it's, there definitely needs to be a, a cohabitating willingness. Um, I've been, I've been blessed with a lot of friends who have that mindset, like forward and Calvary doing Koinonia together. And when Daryl came in for the youth group, when I was running Pape youth, it was how can we get these two groups together instead? And there was no fear of, like, okay, all the youth are now going to go to Chris's Friday night thing, but not to my Saturday or Wednesday thing. It ended up being a cross, a huge crossover thing, which was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get where you're coming from, man. Yeah. And I definitely don't want to act like I'm cynical and I think all the church is doing wrong. There are so many, like you just mentioned, that are, are willing to do that. I just think some people need to step out a bit more in that faith and trust that your church is still going to survive, even if you are connecting or sending out your your people somewhere else um 
because because the reality is also especially with a lot of church plants or smaller churches they don't have the um the resources or the capabilities to equip some people especially young uh younger people youth and this is part of what i'm trying to offer and i know there's other options out there and stuff and so it's just encouraging people to to see what other options are out there and how others can help contribute to what you as a church may not be able to offer and likewise what you can offer to them um, to help build up those ministries and ultimately build up the kingdom of god and i i, I want to give a particular shout out to uh to my church saint Clair. uh they are a church plant. They don't have a church building, but what they do is to me is awesome because at times it seems with with some churches it can be they follow the idea of missions where it's to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth, like send out people. And that's great. I'm not faulting that at all. But then there's so much of a focus on the missions piece that there's not the immediate surrounding area mission. Yeah. Um St. Clair does a great job of both. They can send people, but they, like, on Sunday morning, they they open the church, and I, I'm using air quotations just because we don't have a proper church building where we yeah. rent space well, in the, the Germania. Church, the church is the people, right? Exactly. Otherwise, it's just a, a building. Um, yeah. But, like, they, they open up early. Uh, service starts at... 10, uh, 10, 15, 10, 30. They open at 9.30 every Sunday for a pancake, free pancake breakfast for those in the community because they know there's a need for food. At one yeah. point, if they could have, they were looking at buying a building nearby and then essentially charging dirt cheap rent, having a couple people from the church live in there so they could be yeah. kind of the landlords and help foster community because... There's very needy areas in Hamilton that need that can't afford even rent from some of the other places. So the fact that they were willing and were like looking at doing that, I was like, that speaks volumes about the the heart and the the pursuit of the Lord out of this place. So yeah. kudos, Saint Clair. <laughs> what has been your biggest struggle as a person who's been involved with uh, social and church ministry? Yeah. I think um, some of the difficult things that always happen in that is is not seeing a payout or seeing the fruit of your labor, um, especially with camp ministry. Um, again, similar to churches, a lot of the time camps are very short-sighted. Um, thankfully, at least some of the ones I'm experiencing right now are a little bit better at this, but a lot of time you only have kids for like five days and then there's nothing after that. You might see them next year. You might never see them again. Um, and so that a lot of the time you, you just don't know you may have had this great week with this kid um, they may have given their heart to God and all these things and you just never talk to them again and you just don't know is that going to go anywhere or a kid who leaves angry and you wonder are they going to spend the rest of their lives angry or is there is there a seed that you've planted that hopefully someone else is going to cultivate and um, something's going to come of it and just not knowing that can be really uh, deterring um, as well as not seeing payout or fruit quickly. I mean, because people people are difficult. And as I talked about before, trying to create those relationships, um, it takes time. And wondering to yourself, you know, am I making a difference being here? And yeah, maybe there's better structure, at least in my situation, maybe there's better structure in the program um, now, and there's a little more streamlined things. But am I making a difference in what I'm doing here? Um, and are these youth benefiting from me being here? And are they seeing that benefit? 
Um, and I think that that self-doubt, that self-talk can be can be really deterring. And I think there's also a spiritual element to that. And that can be certainly the the enemy coming in and trying to deter you. But that that being said, I think it's still a very real thing. And that can be a big piece is that 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 determin- uh, deterring in yourself, um, as well as just the, the stress and the, the the general just taxing of yourself. Uh, being in a role like that, working with people, um, can be huge because people are burdensome, <laughs> very much so. I mean, I think we're we're built to be with people. We're social beings. That's the way God created us. But people are taxing, and some days you're just like, I don't want to talk to anybody. And I think that comes back to the mental health piece and the uh, avoiding burnout is that sometimes you need to take those days to be alone. Um, and I think you need to be intentional where you work to try and create an atmosphere that you can take that. One of the biggest things I loved about Young Street Mission, um, especially at least in the, the youth drop and where I worked in Evergreen, was the idea of like, if you need a mental health day, just text me and say you need a mental health day and you'll take it and we'll make it work. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't work in an atmosphere where they're allowed that or sometimes you just don't have that option. Like, yeah, um, especially if you're a pastor and it's Sunday morning and you may be, your cup is empty but you need to get up there and preach. So sometimes you have to push through, and that is very much when you trust in God. Um, but just being taxed um, can be huge, and finding that balance between pushing through and knowing when you need to take a step back and be like, I need a break, um, especially in pastoral roles. And I think there's there's more and more uh, pastors seeing that. Um, I can't even remember the pastor. I know there was a, a very known pastor who recently took his life um, in the States. And just that idea of like, if a man like that, who's supposed to be really close to God is dealing with mental health and, you know, self-harm issues, who am I? And so just reminding yourself that we're all human and that's when we need to draw close, closer to God and also trust in the community, um, that we have hopefully built for ourselves, not necessarily in your organization, especially if you're a pastor or you're working in a specific church. Sometimes you need to have that support outside of the church, a friend, a fellow pastor, who's not part of that, um, community, I think can be really helpful and help avoid that. But that struggle is very much there as well as establishing that. Um, cause I know for me starting here, I don't really know. I didn't know anybody here in Edmonton. So I can't just turn around to the first person I see and be like, Hey, can you support me and, you know, be my mental health check-in and someone I've only known for a day? Like that's awkward. So trying to establish those pieces and those supports can be really challenging, but you, you need them. Um, because you're going to, you're going to see those pieces, um, and I know one of the other big stresses for me or has been in the past, thankfully, my team here is pretty good. But for lack of a better word, is just stupid people, um, stupid coworkers. Like I've worked places where you have people who are just like, why are you working here? You are miserable or you are not equipped for this job. How did you get this job? Why do I have to deal with you? Um, I've definitely had employers where my boss, I was very I, I essentially, I ended up quitting because I'd worked there for like a year and a half and it was like, this is dangerous. Somebody's going to get hurt and you don't seem to care and you don't have the foresight to see what you're doing is scary, dangerous. And so people like that can be some struggles. That's a big struggle for me because also it's like if you feel called to be in this place, but you also have to deal with this person that's making your job, which is already stressful, more stressful, it can be really frustrating because you're like, God, am, am I supposed to be here? This person is making this miserable for me. What do I do? And so that then comes back to the doubt and not sure and all those pieces that can be really challenging. Um, 
but that that is difficult and that's something that I definitely don't like dealing with and I think that's part of what makes this job feel like it's it's one of the best jobs I've had is because I have a team that is really supportive and we think very similarly so I don't have to worry about stupid people as much but unfortunately that is the reality of people we're all stupid sometimes um but that that can be just the stress that they put on you in an already stressful situation can definitely be one of the biggest struggles um working with people i mean if you're in office you can just be in your cubicle and not deal with that stupid coworker. but if you have to work together on a team to create or develop or implement a program you got to find a way to make that work absolutely uh i i 100 agree with that and thank you for thank you for sharing and uh since you uh mentioned the uh the unfortunate suicide uh like i said in uh, recent episode when uh, Pastor Tom and I talked about suicide. Uh, yeah. One thing I'm very grateful for in is that the church is shifting its attitudes towards mental health um, and suicide. Praise God for that. We're being a lot more open and less just uh, just pray it through. Just do this and this and this will this will get rid of it. Um, I'm thankful again for uh, the book. When the Darkness Will Not Cease, I appreciated that a big name like John Piper would actually address, like, no, having depression and all this stuff doesn't mean you're doubting God. It it means a number of other things. And encouraging to go get help, be that if you need medication or somewhere. So all that to say, just to reiterate, if uh, listener, if you know anyone or you're going through, your, going through this yourself, uh, find someone to talk to get get the help you need it is available and it within church structures thankfully now there's a lot less shame uh and especially for pastors where there's so much stuff on them having some when you are in charge of caring and helping grow a number of people you need someone to care for you as well so make sure you have those those uh those things in place foster them create them it's it's well worth it for for self-care. Self-care is incredibly important. Uh, what are some of the ways that you see the Lord at work in your in your job slash your field, sir? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, and because it's one of the issues or one of the deterring things is the not always seeing the fruit. I think when you do see the fruit, um, that's definitely a big piece for me, um, seeing the Lord at work. When you just, you see that person that keeps coming back, um because they, they've seen something in you. And I think that's, that's God starting to work in their life um, because he's worked through you. And I've had youth, like when I worked at Young Street Mission, where especially when I was working there, I, I definitely struggled with that. Like, am I making a difference? But I had youth who would keep coming back. And I know they kept coming back because they wanted to hang out with me because they wanted to talk. Um, and they, they trusted in me. And, and for me, that was seeing the Lord at work, that he's honoring the work I'm doing. And I think he's creating something in them, um, both through myself and through my coworkers and everything else there. So that's a big piece. Um, so I, and seeing that here as well, I think that ultimately is the relationships. Um, when you start having conversations, when people want to hang out with you more um, and start asking questions about God, um, I think that's a big, big piece uh, to be seeing him at work. Um, as well as ultimately when you see kids profess their faith. Um, you know, I, I'm having a couple uh, youth that I'm, I'm hoping to be interviewing in the next few weeks for some of the programming that we're going to be starting with vlogging and some other stuff. Um, and some of them have great testimonies to share about 
you know, the experience that KOT Kids on Track has had for them. And that for me is a really easy way to see that because they're expressing it. They're saying this is I'm the person I am today because of the work that people like you have done here. Um, that is a great reminder of, of how God is working like here and in the field, as well as when I've had agencies, both Christian and non-Christian, open their doors and be like, what you guys are doing is awesome. We would love to partner with you. Um, hearing that is so just God honoring and or him honoring us um, and being like, you know what, you guys will work. And this is part of my plan and I'm going to honor you. Thank you. Um, I think that's just huge to see when he's willing to. Um, but yeah, those, those are the biggest pieces is just when you clearly see it. And I think when youth keep coming back and start wanting to have conversations and like when I'm doing some of our nights now, I'm doing sort of a Bible study-esque thing. I don't really call it that because a lot of our youth don't come from strong Christian backgrounds, but we just, you know, I call it real talk or discussion night or whatever. And we're going to talk about faith or we're going to talk about scripture and they still show up. So there's, there's definitely an interest. And I think God is definitely stirring something in some of their hearts. Um, and that those are some of the easiest ways, I think, to, to see God's working um, and honoring what we're doing. Awesome, sir. And those are definitely some great ways. And it's it's encouraging when you can see it uh, and then it reminds you as much as, like you said earlier, when there's doubt and frustration, the enemy can definitely creep in and make you question. So yeah. then when you can look to see uh, confirmation in the in the good work that you're doing, it's it, it's a nice kick in the butt. Um so final two questions, my good man. Are there any particular resources? Um, in the past, it's been like pastors or theologians like books, but also artists, musicians, webcomics, <laughs> like anything that, uh, that you particularly learn from that you'd like to recommend? The Bible. <laughs> I guess that's, that's just the easy answer. Definitely Bible, though. I think... One of the greatest things, especially when you're in a pastoral role or a lay position, I guess, is for me um, or whoever, when there's that that expectation that there's going to be spiritual development of those you're working with, that for me is a great opportunity for me to learn because it forces me. I need to be reading my Bible more. I need to be reading other books more. I had a youth um, who's really struggling with this idea of, like, did God ask, you know, the Israelites to commit genocide? Um, and trying to talk through that with her, I don't have all the answers. And so I'm reading a book now that's from, written by some theologians who, who talk through it and um, help you understand, you know, the narrative, the culture, the poetic piece to it, all those pieces and fully understand and, and create a um, cultivate a understanding of it so that you can articulate that. And so it makes sense to you while still being spiritually and uh, theologically grounded. So that's a huge piece, I think, is just the challenge that's put on you by your youth in that, it challenges you to search and explore for those answers through all sorts of different resources, whether that's other books um, or the Bible and stuff. And for me, that just started with a simple Google search of, you know, Bible uh, of asking, you know, did that happen? And then book options came up and articles came up. And you have to be careful with some of that because there's plenty of people out there who would call themselves a Christian and have some questionable views. Um, and so ultimately it, it needs to be grounded in faith. And I think it needs to be something that you can have someone else confirm and be like, yes, this, this makes sense. And this, this is spiritually grounded. Um, so that's a big piece for me. Um, talking to other people in the field, for sure. I have a great supervisor who is a friend and we work in the same office space. And so it's really easy to, you know, check with her. Like when I've had challenges with some of my leaders or some of the youth and I'm like, this is the right, you know, response to say to this email, right? She's like, yeah, absolutely. 
And so just that confirmation that you get from others and that support and answers you can get from others is huge. Um, I had mentioned before about a church that's been really good with partnering with us and their youth pastor um, has been a great guy for me to touch base with one or, one or two times, especially because we have some of the same youth. They have some of our youth go there and I can message and be like, hey, just, you know, can you be praying for this youth? Because I'm kind of worried about them and he'll support them in that. So having those resources of people that are working in the field is a big piece um, as well as just random trainings. Um, I definitely would encourage you if you can, if your organization offers free trainings, whether that's what they're running or elsewhere, take advantage of that. Um, Young Street Mission was a great place where they would have people come in, facilitators come in and run programming on mental health, on how to properly, you know, do case notes on all these different pieces. And it was super helpful. They would also send us for like one day trainings and other stuff. Um, and you got paid to go to those. So definitely taking advantage of that as well as free trainings online. I know you've done some classes um, online and stuff, and there's certainly a lot of courses you can do where you won't get the credit, but you can still learn the material for free. Um, there's lots of great trainings out there and there's YouTube videos and other articles and stuff. So it's really just exploring the mediums that work for you. But there is so much free content out there, making sure, again, that it's grounded in theology and scripture. But if it is, assuming it is, certainly take full advantage of it um, and podcasts because you're the past your senior pastor may not be the best preacher he may be a great shepherd and you're great you're happy that you're there but he may not be the best person for you to be learning theologically from but you're committed to that community so looking at podcasts where you can um, learn from other pastors is is great i love listening to your podcasts and learning some things as well as other podcasts and a lot of those just come again from a simple google search or searching in itunes or the play store and looking for those resources um, and taking advantage of them whenever you can. And I think if you're committed to the job, you're gonna, there's going to hopefully be something instilled in you to be furthering that education. Something that I, I've been doing as well as um, part-time doing, working on a, a pastoral degree. Um, and I, I didn't this semester, but I did last semester. And that that's a big piece as well as um, taking further training. I mean, it can be tiresome. It can be cumbersome. But even if it's just a course at a time, doing something um, can be huge. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for sharing that. I also loved how when you said the Bible, it reminded me of that old uh, Sunday school answer where when in doubt, Jesus. <laughs> but uh, the Bible's the yeah, right answer, but in the right way, not just like, I don't know what else to say. I found that when I was working at the church, when the job demanded it, it made reading through the, uh, the Bible a lot you needed to do it and it was great um all right so final question sir um what would you say to someone thinking about pursuing a career slash a vocation in uh in social ministry yeah you you better have a good reason for doing it <laughs> uh is definitely one of the two things because if you are doing it just for the money or for the um, you know, back padding or whatever, you're going to be solely disappointed. Um, I mean, you can certainly make some decent money, especially if you become an executive director or you start your own agency or whatever. Um, but most people don't go into this field for the money. Um, there needs to be a, a reason. There needs to be a passion. Um, for me, a lot of the time, I don't know how non-Christians work in this field because for me, it's something that I know God has instilled in my heart. And I've met some great people that work in this field that don't know Jesus Um but I don't know how they can do that every day because sometimes I know I need to have that thing inside me that 
that challenges me, the spirit challenges me to do that. Um, so really having a reason and a purpose um, and a passion for it is probably one of the biggest pieces. The other one would be either marrying rich or being content with being maybe not poor, but a little bit above poor. Um, I did not marry rich um, because my wife also works in the social field, um, but we're rich in love. So that's what matters. Um, but we're very content with where we are. And I think you have to, and again, that's, especially as a Christian, I think that's a biblical thing anyway. You shouldn't be worried about the stuff and having more things and having a house and having all this other stuff. If you have those things, great, but don't let those become idols because then that obviously just opens up a whole other realm of things. So it's, it's being content. I think is probably the easiest piece is having a passion and being content with what God is going to give you. Um, cause you need to know that you're not going to. You're not going to always have everything. Um, so make sure you're in it. If you're in it, you're in it. Um, and setting up those boundaries with being able to say no, with being able to turn off your work phone, uh, with setting up people to support you, like really being intentional with all these supports and steps um, so that you can help and do the most um, while still keeping yourself you know, sane and not burning out before your 25th birthday. Thank you for those tips, Brad. Those were uh, those were excellent, and I I agree with them all. Uh, I'm not just saying that to big you up. They're they're wise and and smart, my good man. Um, sorry, Luna is now very much whining about getting outside. Uh, so, Brad, where can people find you and check check out some of your stuff? And you mentioned you were a nonprofit. So, uh, dear listener, if you guys uh, feel you can support. Uh, please do. I'll make sure that there's some links. But Brad, where can we find you? Yeah, so Kids on Track um, is an association or an agency in Edmonton, Alberta, um, which is where I'm living now. Um, we have a website, kidsontrack.org. We have a Facebook page, My Shift Youth. Um, if you just search Shift Youth Kids on Track, you'll find our Facebook page. Um, I have an Instagram we post regularly. We're going to be doing some stuff like this with some some vlogs. We might have Chris on. Uh, to chat about some of his stuff um, and we're going to have other people. There's going to be a lot more video things going on. Um, so you can check out all that. Our website, again, kidsontrack.org as well as Facebook, Instagram. We have a Twitter. I don't really use it, but you can also check on that. Um, and then I'm on Facebook and everywhere else as well. So Awesome. Thank you, Brad. I'll make sure I attach those posts and uh, the vlog. That would be crazy fun. I, I it, mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to be on the other side. I'm normally the one asking the questions. <laughs> Yeah, I look forward to it, man. Let me know. Uh, Very cool. Awesome. And dear listener, thank you for listening. Uh, please check out those websites. And uh, if you're the praying type, pray for Brad and all he does and through his ministry. Uh, it, it's great work. But as as you've noticed, one thing we've kind of circled around a number of times is like people work is excellent. Praise God for it. But it can be exhausting. Uh, so please pray. Uh, for that brad thanks so much for coming on we got to have you on again sometime man and uh dear listener hope you have a wonderful week and god bless my friends take care